Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast, the Stanley Cup Final edition, if you will. I am Eric Gronson from LightningInsider.com, and we're going to recap the Game 1 between the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning from Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. took place at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Of course, we'll answer your questions as well, and um, we're going to give a breakdown of what happened in this game, the result, how we got there, which is always important. The results matter the most, but as we kind of dissect and looked at things, we'll try and analyze maybe a little bit of how we got to the loss in game one for Tampa Bay as Dallas did win four to one to open up a one nothing series lead. Game two will be on Monday night against uh, the Dallas Stars uh, at eight p.m. That game will be on NBC Sportsnet. By the way, so game two is Monday on NBC Sportsnet. All right, let's uh, let's just get right to it. The start was not good. It was a situation to where you wouldn't expect, right? Like this is game one of the Stanley Cup final, and the Lightning looked like they were playing game 22 of the 21-22 season or the 2021 season. You know, look like a November game to start. And, you know, I know the Lightning have sort of made a little bit of a habit at times of these type of slow starts. We saw it earlier in this postseason in the game against the Boston Bruins, game one against the Bruins, where they tested the waters, right? And we heard even John Cooper use that phrase after the game. They dipped their toe in the water, which is... Something very similar to what happened in the game against the Bruins. The problem is, this is the Stanley Cup final. This, you know, this is it. There's, there's no reason to leave anything in the tank. It's, it's time to empty it. The problem is there. I think the Lightning had an empty tank to begin with, and you don't want that to happen. You don't want that to be the case. But I'm telling you, these are difficult situations for these players. They are. Under normal circumstances, they're difficult players. Living inside a bubble as they have since the end of July, outside, you know, they're they're cut off from the rest of the world. They're cut off from their family. It's a mentally draining situation. And now throw into the fact that Tampa Bay is coming off a six-game series against the Islanders and you're stretched out in a double overtime game in game five. You have a chance to close out that series up three to one and you lose in double overtime. Then you have to come back two nights later and play another game. It's another mentally draining game that again goes to overtime and it's late in the first overtime that Anthony Sorelli 
won that game and clinched a berth in the Stanley Cup final. And then you get to turn around and play a game less than 48 hours later in the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, yesterday, yeah, it wasn't a, like, they didn't go on the ice, right? But they still had responsibilities. They had media responsibilities. It was media day. It wasn't obviously a typical media day. Normally in those situations, you know, if it's in the host city, whoever's, whichever team is hosting game one, there will be an opportunity. Players are at podiums and you walk around as the media and you can ask questions of who's ever at the podium or whatever, you know, stands they have set aside for players. You can go up and do that. So this was obviously a little different. It wasn't as straining on the players in this situation, but it still was, it was, it wasn't really a, truly a day off. Like there was some rest and recovery, but it wasn't a full rest and recovery. And you had to turn around and get ready for game one against the Stanley cup final. And you, you hate to say, and those of you who've listened to me before have heard this scheduled loss. You don't want a scheduled loss in the, in the playoffs. And this is not just a lightning thing because I think the Islanders in game one of the Eastern conference final was a scheduled loss. Like they had to go seven games against Philadelphia, get on a plane, fly to Edmonton from Toronto, and turn around uh, two days later, two days after game seven, a day after arriving in Edmonton and get ready for game one. And what happened? The lightning blew them out. It was 8-2. And look at the rest of the games in that series. They were all tight, as you knew they were going to be. And the lightning took advantage of it. The lightning had been off for a week, and they took full advantage of it. Same thing happened to Vegas in the first game against the Dallas Stars, right? I know that was a one nothing game, but think about what Vegas had just went through. They were up 3-1 on the Vancouver Canucks. They looked like they were cruising. Jacob Markstrom gets hurt. All of a sudden, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be an easy series, and you run, under, and run into Thatcher Demko, who just stoned them. I mean, he almost stole that series from Vegas, they were having a tough time solving him and scoring goals. You don't think that's mentally draining? You're almost, you know, you're up 3-1 and, and you're that much closer to the Western Conference Final. And then you've got to stretch it out and think that you might never score a goal again in the series and you might get pushed aside. And then you get to turn around and play 48 hours later, which is also your third game in four nights after a mentally draining situation. I don't know why the league thinks they have to push the pace this far. I've said it before, the league, when the spotlight is on the league, and there's been a huge spotlight on this league, they always talk about not wanting to kill momentum from a series. Like, the day off earlier this week, between games uh, uh, 5 and 6 for Tampa Bay, was the only off day that has happened since, geez, I... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you got to go all the way back to August the 10th. Was the last time there was no hockey on in any capacity. So you got to go all the way back to, you know, the day off, the scheduled day off between the end of the qualification rounds and the start of the actual playoffs. Like I understand, there's financial ramifications. There's, you know, the players. I'm sure, and Gary Bettman referenced this a little bit earlier today in his meeting with the media that the players had asked to kind of get this over soon. But you can't tell me that there wasn't a way to give the Lightning an extra day off or give an extra day off between games one and two or to give both teams off, right? Like, I know they want the Saturday window, and that was an important part 
Uh, the Lightning were playing tonight regardless, whether it was Game 7 of the conf- uh, Conference Finals or Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. They were still going to have to play a game. But you couldn't do, like, you want the Saturday game. Why can't you do Game 2 on Tuesday? And then you go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you have a Game 4 a week from today instead of, you know, crunching this together. Um, it, but it's not easy. It, it's not easy, and I think that that got the better of Tampa Bay to start the game tonight. Kevin Shattenkirk said they're not using it as a crutch, and they're not going to. And John Cooper even mentioned that, you know, it probably factored into a little bit, but he wasn't going to let his team off the hook. Um, He even used the phrase, I don't think anybody had to take a shower after the first two periods, which is as close as you're going to get to John Cooper overly criticizing his team for something. It was deserved because they didn't put in the right kind of effort, but... You know, and it's it's like I said, it's not just a physical fatigue; it's a mental fatigue. Those are it's a it's already a mentally draining situation, and then you've got to put these through. They're competing for the Stanley Cup; it's the ultimate prize after everything the players have gone through this year with with COVID and having to be away from their families and their homes for so long in this situation. Um, I, I just don't think the NHL does enough to put their best product on display when. The spotlight is on the league. And the Stanley Cup final, even the conference finals, are the biggest showcases for the NHL. And I don't think they've done a good enough job on allowing the players and the teams to showcase themselves well enough. And you get what you had tonight, which was a very poor start by Tampa Bay. Mental errors. I'm not sure why Zach Bogosian felt he had to go over and stand up for Braden Point in that situation. It's good intentions. But again, you have to be smart. I don't think it was a smart play when John Cooper called it a mental error. His heart's in the right place, but you can't abandon the front of your net. I mean, look what happened on that goal. Joel Hanley, who only played nine minutes in this game, is allowed to walk down Main Street and take a pass and open the scoring because Bogosian and Point are still over in the corner, and there's two lightning players. They're both below the hash marks. There's nobody protecting the high slot. And that's where Hanley was able to come down. And and the Brayton Point hit, by the way, I don't think was a penalty. And I know a lot of people looked at it and said that's boarding. But, as I've said this many times before, Brayton Point turned into the hit. If Brayden Point doesn't turn back, he doesn't expose his back to the hit. And it came from Yoel Kivaranta. If he doesn't turn, he doesn't get hit. Not like that. And it's not. that's why I don't think it's a penalty. You know, sometimes you do have to put the responsibility on the player who's hit, and I think that's the situation in this case. So I don't think it was a bad hit. At real speed, it kind of looks bad, and I understand what Bogosian is doing there, but you can't make that kind of a mental mistake. But Lighting got the goal back. They got some puck luck on a shot from Blake Coleman from the point, actually saved by Anton Hudobin, hits the skate of Yanni Gord, and then hits the skate of the Dallas defender, and pops into the back of the net that ties the game. So despite that slow first period, you're, it's a tie game after one. And you thought that that would be enough to kind of get them going. It wasn't. And then again, a couple of mistakes. Uh, Luke Shen drops down too early uh, on the, the Alexiak goal that puts Dallas in front. Uh, and then Mikhail Sergachev kind of drops a little early on the Kivaranta goal at the end of the third, at the end of the second, and, and that's a killer. Um, you know, so now you're down 3-1, having to chase down one of the top defensive teams in the league, in a, a team that 
is willing to give up puck possession, and the Lightning certainly played a team in the Islanders that doesn't mind giving up puck possession uh, to protect the lead. Uh, but the Lightning did enough in the third period to get themselves back in the game. I can't remember in in my years of covering the league and the NHL seeing a period as dominant as that one was for Tampa Bay. I mean, the shot attempts in the third period were 43-3. to That's fueled a little bit by a power play because the Lightning did have three power play chances and they did generate 14 shot attempts off of that power play. Only four of them were were uh, shots on goal, but 14 shot attempts on the power play, but 43-3. 43-3. The only reason the, the Stars had actually three is because one of them was an empty net goal. So in reality, they only had two shot attempts during the period. Only one shot on goal. The shots ended up being 22-2. to two. And yeah, you, you know, you can sit here and, and say that it's score effects and to some degree that's correct. Dallas doesn't have to score another goal. Dallas can sit back and wait, but they didn't sit back. The lightning came at them. And I think that's the difference here. You know, Dallas didn't forecheck. They didn't get the puck in deep, but part of that's because they never had it. What we saw in the third period was a much more aggressive Tampa Bay team, and they had to be. Like they had to be because you're you're down two goals, so you have to be more aggressive. So they were forced into that aggressiveness. Um, but what you also saw was a team that was hungrier for the puck. How many times did you see the Lightning retrieve pucks in their own end compared to the first two periods? How many battles did you see the Lightning win in the third period compared to the first two periods? To me, that's where the difference comes in. That's where you can you can call it score effects if you want, but it was also a little bit more of a determined effort. The legs were finally there. And, of course, that question comes up, well, why weren't they there in the first two periods? Why weren't their legs there in the first two periods? It just happens sometimes. You can't find them. You don't, you know, it's a Stanley Cup final. You don't want to sit back and say that's the reason, but it is. They didn't have their legs. Dallas is a quick team, but they like to slow the game down. Uh, they're In some ways, they are similar to the Islanders because they will counterattack and they have the speed to counterattack. And you've got guys like Miro Heiskin and John Klingberg on the back end that can push the pace if you allow them to and some forwards that can push the pace. But th- this, was, this was a game where if Tampa played, if they had pushed the pace early on, it's a different situation. They're not chasing the game as much as they were. So... It's it's easy to say that you can build off a third period, but I think you can. I think you absolutely can. And it's just a situation to where uh, they just have to be more aggressive, have a better understanding, and get more into the game earlier because you let Dallas get to their game first, and you can't let Dallas get to get their game first. And then the other part of that is, especially with the third period, is, first of all, Anton Udobin was just, terrific. He was fantastic. I mean, he was great. 22 shots. Uh, he stopped all 22 of them. And some of them were tough. I mean, the stop he made on Alex Kalorn, you know, a nice pass across the top of the crease by Tyler Johnson. Kalorn was able to get a stick on it. It hits a skate blade. I, you know, I just, what can you do about that? You just kind of tip your cap. Um, 
you know, and, and kind of move on. Uh, so they, they, but they do have to find a way to solve him. Hudobin's been great, especially since the start of the Western Conference Final. Uh, he is an unorthodox goalie. I think I talked about that a little bit in the last podcast, where you know he's a shorter goalie. He's one of the few goaltenders in the NHL that's actually under six foot, but he battles. I mean, he battles like Dominic Hasek used to battle, and he's unorthodox, not necessarily to the style of Hasek, but he is. Just just watch how far he comes out above the crease, how aggressive he is coming out and challenging the shot. Keep an eye on that too, because I know Stephanie asked me, not an official question because she didn't hashtag it, but she did ask me, is there a way to exploit who Dobin's aggressiveness? And there is. It takes it takes discipline. Like you have to hold on to your shot, maybe an extra second, maybe an extra half second to allow for a seam across the ice to open. You can get a kind of a backdoor tap in. But you know, when he comes so high off the crease, he's cutting down the angle on the shot. Uh, and then, you know, you look at the save he made on Anthony Sorelli in the what was that, the second period where it's a rebound, the puck goes up in the air, he finds it, he actually catches it with his blocker glove. You don't see too many goalies do that. you know. So he is unorthodox in his approach. And he can really get shooters thinking differently about how they approach things. Right? Not, not necessarily to the extent of you know, where, where maybe Jonas Corposalo was maybe in their head a little bit in the round in the first round against Columbus. Not to that aspect, but it, it does it, it can sometimes alter the way shooters have to think because so many goalies today and you know, Bobby the Chief Taylor has told me this many times, they're as much shot blockers are they are as they are actual goaltenders. Right? Like they're athletes, they're very athletic. You see a lot of I mean Andre Vasilevsky is an extremely athletic goaltender. But like compare that to say a Carey Price, who is a technically sound goaltender, and Carey Price is more the style. He he is perfected it and he's probably better at it than anybody. But he's just he's a very technical sound in terms of putting himself in the position to, to block shots, to let the puck find him instead of having to find the puck. Hudobin's not that way. He he will find different ways to stop pucks. Um you know, and and it and it can affect shooters sometimes. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened here, but he's on a roll right now. I mean, he was fantastic against Vegas. He was fantastic again tonight in some of the stops he made. And you have to hope that you know the lightning pressure that they had in the third period is something that can happen uh, on a consistent basis. Not to that extent, you can't play that way for a whole 60 minutes. But you'd have to hope that that kind of sustained pressure can start to lead to something and hope that, you know, you can find ways to get pucks past him because right now he's just in a zone. And, uh, you know, look, they, they were able to solve Corpusala, right? It took a couple of games to do it. He was hot for sure in the series against Toronto on the qualification round that allowed Columbus to move on, advance, and, and face Tampa Bay in the first round of the playoffs. The Lightning finally did eventually solve him. Um, you know, so uh, they eventually did solve Semyon Varlamov, not on a consistent basis, but, you know, they were so good defensively that they didn't have to necessarily score uh, as many goals. Um, so the Lightning can do it. And I'm going to give you one area where I think they they can show the most improvement, and we saw some of it tonight. We know that they have relied a ton on the production of the Brayden Point, Andre Palat, Nikita Kucherov line. And to some extent, the production they've received out of Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barclay Goodrow on the score sheet. And, of course, Victor Hedman, who's got nine goals this postseason. 
But how many times have people asked me, and I know we discussed it quite a lot in the last podcast involving Tyler Johnson uh, and really that line, that line of Sorelli, Alex Kalorn, and Tyler Johnson, which we haven't seen really reach the levels that we expect them to be at. While they looked as active and as strong as they have at any point in the postseason to this point as a line, they were extremely active around the net. I just mentioned the Kalorn opportunity that Hudobin stopped with his uh, skate blade. You know, when you look inside the numbers, this is easily the best game that they've had based on this. They had 9 minutes and 12 seconds of even strength ice time, which is the second most of any of the lines, which they're the second line. Their shot attempt advantage was 15-2, to two, so they had almost 80, just over 88% of the shot attempts. Their scoring chances were 8-0, so they created 8 scoring chances thems- themselves and did not give up any. Their expected goal rate was 95%. That's unheard of. Unheard of. Scoring chances... Um, Sorry, I said the scoring chances were eight nothing. They were actually those were the shots. It was eight to nothing. Their scoring chances were eight to one, and their high danger chances were three to nothing. Those are extremely encouraging numbers moving forward. If that's going to continue, if they're going to cash in, I think I saw somebody tonight that this feels like a series for Tyler Johnson to step up. Remember, in two thousand fifteen. He was injured in the Stanley Cup final. He suffered that fractured thumb and was not the same player. You have to think that sits in his mind. He wants to make an impact. Not that he didn't in the previous rounds, but now is the time. You know, now is the time to shine, if you will. So that was extremely encouraging to see that trio be active like they were. The Point Palat Kucherov line, they were 12 9 in their shot attempts, uh, so a little bit closer uh, than what we're normally seeing them. And actually, the Gord line was you know only at 40%, even though they end up getting the goal, uh, the fortunate goal. Um, you know, their shot attempts advantage was only 6 to 9. Uh, so, not the best night for, for that line, even though they got the goal. And the other thing that, you know, Braden Point had zero shots in this game, he only had three attempts and zero shots. For all the attempts that the Lightning took, especially in the third period, he only had three of them. You need him to be more active. He was great in the face-off circle, won 11 of the 13 draws that he took, but you need him. You know, you need him to be better. You need Kucherov to be better. You need Palat to be better. You need everybody to be better. But the one thing that encourages me moving forward is the play of that um, Sorelli, Johnson, and Kalorn line. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, let's get to your questions. Um, a few of them here have come in, so I want to make sure we uh, handle them before we get to the end of the show. Uh, and before we do, I also want to thank our partners at Smack Apparel. If you have not checked out their website, please do. Uh, we do have a special coupon code for you. If you use the code 2020BOGO, 2020BOGO, they will give you buy one, get one free off their inventory. Uh, so at checkout, use that coupon code 2020BOGO. Uh, they've also given out a couple of shirts now. Uh, Joyce won a shirt in our first trivia contest a couple, about a week or so ago. And then we have our other winner from the other night, Matt Wheeler. Um, 
I have been in contact with Matt, and uh, we will get the shirt out to him uh, sometime next week. So we have a couple more that we're going to give away. So I'm going to come up with another trivia question for Monday's podcast. So make sure you're listening to it. We'll have another trivia question and another opportunity for you to win a T-shirt courtesy of our friends at Smack Apparel. All right, to the questions. Let's get to them here. We have uh, our first one comes in from Paul. And Paul wants to know, do you think that Carter Verhage dresses for Game 2 in a 12-6 lineup with Luke Shen out? The forward group looked exhausted for two periods, and Shen wasn't great out there. Verhage has looked good when he played. Um, You could, you could say that. Uh, but here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, I think that I can see them going back to a 12-6. and six. You know, you think of the extra minutes that some of the forwards have had to play. We mentioned before how the Lightning have played the most overtime minutes of any team ever with 165 already to this point. That, you know, the, the and the forwards, because of this 7-11 and 11 format, you think of the game two against the Islanders, they only finished with nine forwards. You know, so the forwards have played some extra minutes that normally they wouldn't have to log. I think they they a, at least explore the thought of going to a 12-6. and six. But here's the thing. What if Steven Stamkos is the guy that comes in? I think we're going to have to be on Steven Stamkos' watch. I just just a feeling I have, uh, based on you know we saw him again skating today. The 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 league and the team released video of the morning skate, and he was out there. Uh, so that kind of gives me a feeling that he's getting close. It's a second video we've seen. I know he skated uh, on with a couple of the other scratches the other day as well. So. He's getting closer. Could he be the guy that comes in instead of Carter Verhage? Uh, look, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think we have to be on Steven Stamkos' watch for here on the rest of the series. I don't know that we're going to get any clues for tomorrow. I don't think the team is going to practice. I think they need some rest and recovery. Uh, maybe they have a very optional skate uh, on Sunday, and, and then they have a, a morning skate on Monday to get ready for the game. That's my guess. Uh, so I don't know if we're going to get any hints or indications before warm-up on Monday, but I think we have to be on that watch. I really, really think we do. Um, let's see. The There's another one here from, from Mike that came in before uh, the game, well before the game. Uh, wanted to know how we're doing an hour before puck drop. So glad we beat the Islanders because the Lightning were definitely the better team. They can play any type of game, speed or heavy banging. Looking forward to a great final series. They can. The Lightning are a hybrid team. I felt that for a while. Um, Dallas came out and played more in their face. I think Ryan McDonough and Kevin Shattenkirk both mentioned that in their postgame comments. Uh, it's a little different than what they faced against the Islanders, but um, they can play any any style, and I think that's what's key for the Lightning. Uh, another question from Paul. I think Kucherov might play on the left side on the power play next opportunity with Sergachev on the right. Sergachev just isn't working on the left. Every move he makes out there is predictable. Yeah, I, I don't know why they keep trying to put Sergachev out there. Um, as was suggested by my son, and I like this suggestion, I think it's a good idea. Maybe you explore putting Kevin Shattenkirk out there as a right-handed shot. If you're looking for a right-handed shot over there on that left side, why not try Shattenkirk over there? You know, Tyler Johnson didn't work. 
right? So why not give that a, a, an idea? Because I think you're right. You know, there was one play in particular where, and I remember commenting to myself about it, where Sergachev was on that left-hand side and he knew he had Hedman. Well, nobody came to Sergachev because he knew they were trying to drop it back to Hedman. And what did Sergachev do? He dropped it back to Hedman. So that's the predictable part you have to deal with. From Lee, uh, after the first two th- periods, I thought the Lightning were fatigued. The third period told me it wasn't fatigue. Were they not ready to play? Or were they dipping their toes in the water? They haven't played anyone with as much speed as Dallas. That's not true. The Islanders have plenty of speed. They didn't, they didn't put it on display as much because the Islanders are a team that really sit back a little bit more and counterattack. But they can counterattack with speed, and they have it. Barzell and Beauvillier and Lee, those guys can really get up the ice in transition. Dallas has a little bit more speed in their back end, especially with Miro Heiskinen. And then, you know, to sit here and say that because of the way they played in the third period, they weren't fatigued, I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. They were fatigued, and it was, it was as much mental fatigue. The problem was it took them two periods and to fall behind by two goals to find their energy. Just because they played that strongly in the third doesn't mean they weren't tired or fatigued in the first two periods. That's not true. That's not the way it goes. You can be fatigued to start the game. When you get the adrenaline flow, and that's when you find your energy sometimes. You see this all the time in pro sports. Uh, from minus four? Don't know what that is. Uh, thoughts on people saying the fatigue wasn't a factor? Uh, it absolutely was a factor. I just explained everything there on why I think it's it has to. It, it, that's the only thing you can chalk it up to. And, you know, I know Kevin Shattenkirk didn't want to use it as a crutch. That's his word. John Cooper reference to it. You don't want it to be the case, but it is. It's a scheduled loss in a lot of ways, and it played right into it, and um, it's disappointing. From Al, Lightning need a spark. Is it time for Stamkos to play, or are they going to save him for next January? Well, first of all, Alice, let's remember, he's coming off an injury. So if, if you're going to sit here and say that, okay, he's injured, but put him out there anyway, that's not the case. As I've said before, we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know the exact situation. We can't get any information. Nobody answers the questions about what's going on. We're not there to see anything. So we can't really get a true idea of what it is. But as I just mentioned a couple of questions ago, I think we're on Stamkos Watch now. If nothing else, if nothing else, and I've said this before, limit his minutes, Play him on, the, on a fourth-line type of role, limit his five-on-five five minutes, and use him as a power play guy. You could have used him tonight. You you, you could, you, I'm telling you, they really miss him over on that circle because in the actual playoffs, not counting the round robin, in, a, in the actual playoffs, the Lightning have eight power play goals. Six of them have come in two games. They scored three against the Bruins in one game, and they scored three against the Islanders in game one. Only two other goals on the power play since then, and they had an opportunity to get themselves back in the game with it tonight, and they didn't do it. So you have to, you have to take advantage of these situations uh, if you're Tampa Bay, and I think getting Steven Stamkos out on the power play could just be it. Uh, from Mike, very disappointed of Bogosian on the first goal and Shen went down way too early on another goal. Yeah, I mentioned the Bogosian one, and I talked about the Shen one. Um, so hopefully uh, that answered that question from Eric. Since game four, the last series, the offense has stalled one, two, and one goals, although tonight was pretty much a shutout in the last three games. Am I crazy to think this looks like 15, 16, and 18 when lack of offense ultimately doomed them? Hmm. Uh, 
I don't I don't think that I don't think it's a comparison. No, I don't think it's a comparison. You know, because because the big thing is is that they play much better defense. You know, goals are harder to come by this time of year. I think that's what the lessons of those particular series you're talking about are. And this is a team that can score goals, but they're so much harder to come by this time of year. That's why they've changed their mental approach, you know, so they don't try and chase offense and sacrifice defense. They take care of their defense and now try and create offense and take advantage of it when the opportunities are there. I think that's the difference here. So I don't think that, yeah, the goal totals have been down the last couple of games, uh, but they certainly had plenty of opportunities tonight to put more than one behind um, Udobin. They certainly, I think, did that. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, it, it, you would have to look at it and say if they're not creating chances, then you would get concerned about it. They created chances against the Islanders. They did. They they created plenty of them. Uh, didn't capitalize as we're used to seeing them, but that's because you know a lot of times uh, space disappears. You don't have the time and space that you usually have in the uh, in the regular season, and I think that's what a lot of it comes down to. From Kenny, uh, hard to think that Tampa has run into four hot goalies. What can they do to try and play a more inside game and make it tough on their goalie? Um, just keep keep playing the percentages, I guess, is, is what you kind of have to keep doing. Give yourself the opportunities to continue to create chances, knowing that you've got the skill to take advantage of them. Um, as far as getting inside, you have to get inside. It's going back to a question I asked John Cooper ahead of the Boston series. It's a will. It's a will to get to those areas. Uh, they've shown that they can do it. They're going to have to do it again uh, to try and get uh, inside uh, the Dallas defense and take the eyes of Hudobin away because, as you saw tonight, if he sees it, there's a good chance he's in such a good uh, zone right now that he's you know he's gonna he's gonna stop anything he sees. Uh, from Ryan, I think the rest factor came into play for Dallas. They just seemed to have a step on the bolts all game. Vasilevsky had a tough game tonight. What do you see Cooper adjusting after this game? Vasilevsky will rebound, but the penalty, power play and bad turnovers and penalties continue to hurt them. I don't think the penalties hurt them tonight. I don't think that was really a factor. Um, you know, they, the Dallas did not score a power play goal. Um, I I didn't think they they looked dangerous on their first power play attempt for sure, uh, but that didn't come into a, to the account. The turnovers did, especially early in the game. There were too many poor decisions with the puck. Um, that is a factor. That's something that they've been much better at throughout this postseason. Uh, as far as the adjustments, I I think you know listening to both uh, Ryan McDonough and Kevin Shattenkirk talk about how Dallas is in their face more so than the Islanders were. Now you understand the kind of space you're not going to have. So you have to make your adjustments there and then find ways to create the seams to get out of your own zone and get in. They've, they've created a lot off the rush in this postseason, and I think they kind of have to get away or get back to that. From uh, Evgeny, they were asleep the first two periods, dominated the third, so that's encouraging. The power play needs some serious work. I'm not worried at all because I know they'll be much better next game. What positives do the Lightning take from tonight? and How do they approach game two? Uh, come out aggressive. We saw this, and that's why I think there's a lot of comparisons to game one against the Bruins. They came out aggressive to start game two against the Bruins, and, and it, it they built off of it. And, and I'm not saying it's because of how they played in the third period against the Bruins because that was the game where the Bruins were up 3 nothing, and 
Victor Hedman scored a couple of goals, including one with about a minute and a half to go to at least give them a chance, but they found something to build off of. And I'm not saying it's going to play out like that exactly, but they, they now have an idea of how they're going to have to play. Dallas will be better. I, I think that Dallas will be better as well, but it's up to the Lightning now to, to, to find their ways through the middle of the ice and get inside and just spend some time in the Dallas zone. That's the one thing tonight, especially in the first two periods, they didn't do enough of. They did not get enough offensive zone time to wear down the Dallas defense because the Dallas defense is very underrated. Yeah, we know about Heiskanen and we know about um, uh, Klingberg moving the puck, but Essa Lindell is a very underrated defenseman. We saw that tonight. Alexiak has really kind of found his groove after kind of bouncing between Dallas and Pittsburgh over the last couple of years, and he's been a key, key factor for them. From Adam, will the Lightning ever score the first goal in a game again? <laughs> I hope so. I can't see them you know, giving up the first goal the rest of the way. Uh, it is six straight games that they've allowed the first goal, but they do have the ability to come back. Uh, you just don't want to keep putting yourself in that position uh, from uh, Barbara, something important to address for concerned listeners is your air conditioner working. Ha <laughs> ha. It finally is. But let me tell you, it was a process because if anybody's been listening, uh, it happened on a Friday told the part was coming in on a Monday. The part didn't show up till Wednesday. They came out Thursday Uh realized that there was another part that wasn't working that they didn't have in stock. So they had to come out again on Friday to install that. And then it was working. And then the technician left. And an hour later, the air wasn't working again. So we had to call him back out here uh, for Friday night. But fortunately, it is up and running now. But of course, now my refrigerator is not working. My freezer and my refrigerator is not working. So now we have to have a technician come out for that. And they're not going to be here till Tuesday. So when it rains, it pours a little bit, I guess, but that's all right. Um, from Lord Stanley, Dallas defensive was aggressive tonight. Do you make adjustments? You do. That's what game one is about. You get a feel for how things are going to be looked at, um, you know, and, and how you're going to have to adjust. So, you know, now you understand the speed at which Dallas plays at. That's another thing. You don't, you don't know what kind of speed that they play at, and now you have a better understanding. Uh, from Bob, Game one over looked like a tired team until the third. Vasilevsky led in a couple of questionable two. Everyone needs to be better. Do you feel Vasilevsky is getting tired? He claims no, but uncharacteristic misses on two of the three goals. Uh, trying to think. I mean, the you know the Hanley goal was from the high slot. You know he's got all that net to shoot at. Um, the second one was a rebound that just popped out to Alexiak, but that was the one I think Shen was down on, and he, and he wasn't able to get in position to, to even challenge the rebound. It's a good shot by Alexiak, and, and maybe the third one is the one he wants to have back. Is he tired? I don't think so. I know he's played every minute of this return to play, but he's 26 years old. Um, he had four months to rest. I don't think he's tired. I just think it was just an off night for him. He'll he'll be better. I'm not concerned. That's a that's the guy I'm least concerned about. Uh, from Jason, how much of a factor is the scheduling game one loss from a perspective of coaching, game planning, scheming, implementation? Can that be countered with an advanced team that builds a game plan while they were in the Eastern Conference Finals? Is that even a thing? That's a great question, Jason, because we talk about how much the schedule affects um, you know the players. But you're right. This does have a bearing on the coaching staff. And I think back to last year going down the stretch of the regular season. 
that the Lightning had to wait till the very last minute to find out they were playing Columbus. And there was about four teams, even up to the end, that they might have to play. And they were the first team to start. So that does factor into it. But I can tell you, they do have an advanced team, especially when they were up 3-1. Not that they're looking ahead, but they do have, you know, whoever, whoever members of the coaching staff it is, they'll have the video coaches start to put stuff together uh, for each team that they might play. So they'll have that stuff ready to go so that the, you know they have a game plan to give to the players right away. So you're not doing it on the fly. So that's an excellent question and an excellent observation by Jason. Uh, from Bob, can an icing non-call be part of a challenge of a goal is scored? Uh, it is not a reviewable play. Uh, I don't know if there's an appetite to, for that to be a reviewable play down the line. Um, so, And again, at real speed, that's very close. At real speed, it's very close. I'll just say that. Uh, from our, I love this one, whatever, do you think they should attempt to organize a play like the one from Boston's top power play with Marshans uh, standing next to the net to dump it in? They actually tried that against the Islanders on, on the power play chances. They actually tried that play. Andre Pilat was the guy, and twice he was in the perfect position. He was in the right position. It's something that Brad Marchand has actually probably perfected uh, because Pilat just missed him. They, they, one of them actually went through his skates, which was hard to believe, but they have tried that. So uh, it's a good thought. So you're thinking ahead of the game. Uh, and the last one from Karen, I have lots of questions based on experience though. I expect you'll already answer them in your write up on lightninginsider.com and the details in your excellent podcast. Thanks for all you do to break down a game like this. Learn a lot. Even when I don't ask EE. All right. Oh, Karen, thank you so much. I do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you can find my written stuff at uh, lightninginsider.com. And don't forget, podcast listeners, if you use the code PODCAST, you will get $10 off a yearly subscription. All right, that's going to wrap it up for me tonight, today, this morning, whenever you happen to be listening to this. Uh, we will be back for Game 2 on Monday. Uh, don't forget, I do a, a little post-game stuff with Jay Retro on 95.3 as well. That's actually on the radio dial for the rest of the Stanley Cup final, so you can listen to me there as well. And, of course, subscribe, download, rate, review, everything you do with these podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for the support. We'll be back on Monday to recap game number two. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.